Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome to In Violence, a podcast where we explore how faith and health, both physical and mental, intertwine in our daily lives and how we can finally find balance as Muslims. I hope you are all doing well, inshallah. Welcome to a new episode. And this one is a very important one. Um, you guys know that I have never been married. I would love to get married someday, inshallah. <laughs> uh, and I've written and talked about this many, many times before. The one thing that I never touched upon is divorce. And I think there are two reasons for this. The first one is pretty obvious, is that I've never experienced it myself. My parents, they remained married until my dad passed away, Allah So I, I don't have much experience when it comes to this. The second reason is that I, I would say I am a very, very loyal person by nature. And it put me in situations where I would, I would stay for someone that, that isn't giving the same amount of effort to make things work. And personally, I have never been a quitter. So for me, the idea of willingly deciding to get divorced was like, claiming I quit you know and that is something for a long time that I couldn't picture myself doing and what I realized is that when you are putting in the effort to almost the point where you are forcing things because you don't want to admit that you are wrong you don't want to admit that you're unhappy you don't want to face people's opinion then it just gets very toxic and unhealthy and this will impact your relationship with Obviously yourself, but also with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you guys know, I got heartbroken by someone that I really wanted to marry at the time. And in retrospect, um, there were so many things, so many signs from Allah, so many red flags, so many things that were telling me it's not the right person for you. And like, you are losing yourself, so you're not losing him. And subhanAllah, in in hindsight when i think about it i am grateful for the lessons that it taught me when it comes to marriage but it also taught me a lot about how it feels when you your hopes are broken when you realize that everything that you pictured with that person isn't going to happen and that was just on a smaller level what about actually going through a divorce so i thought what better way to answer this question than ask someone who went through it and that's exactly what i did so in today's episode you are going to listen to my conversation with sumaya etuji who you might know as the hill sisters on internet and sumaya kindly shared with me how life-changing her divorce was on so many levels. To give you a little bit of context, Sumeya got divorced at the age of 24, an age at which a lot of people start to consider getting married, and she's now 30. So she's had a few years to learn from her divorce, to heal from it, and she's now willing to share her precious lessons with us. So I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and let's get right into it. Assalamu alaikum everyone, welcome back to the podcast, I hope you're all doing well, and today 
it's it's kind of a funny story because this isn't the first time you you hear me with the sister. We've already done two podcast episodes, but this time I am not the guest. I am the host and she is the guest. And we are going to talk about something that we didn't address at all the first time we or the first times we we recorded episodes together. And today I am honored to be joined by Sumaya Etuji, the founder of the Hill Sisters. Hi, beautiful. How are you doing? Assalamu alaikum. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Asiya. So glad to have you. I feel like it's going to be a very important episode. Um, when I was brainstorming ideas for this podcast a few months ago now, almost a year ago, subhanAllah, time is flying. Um, I knew that I wanted to have an episode dedicated to divorce because since the beginning of my account, I've received many messages of women saying how hard it's been for them to go through divorce and the stigma that is all around it. And subhanAllah, I think we see more and more Muslims going through divorce, but then learning how to heal from it. But, you know, I'm not married. I haven't been divorced, so I don't feel like I'm the best person to talk about it. And I love your work, and I love how important helping sister sisters is for you. So I knew that I had to do this episode with you. So Jazakallah for being here today. And thank you so much for having a platform that allows Muslim sisters to connect with other sisters who've been through similar struggles as them. And, and really feel like they can relate and they're not alone. I think that's really important. Yes, that, that was always the goal with this podcast, talking about every aspect of, of health. But I feel like it was always very important for me to insist on the importance of mental health because there's still like so much taboo around it, especially when it comes to this topic. So yeah, I thought it was important for women to feel like they could relate to someone. So before we get into the topic, maybe you can introduce yourself and tell us about your mission online with your, I, w I was going to say your company. Do you call it a company? You are going to tell us, inshallah. Yes, absolutely. I, I call it my company, alhamdulillah. So the Hilt Sister was founded four years ago already. And it's a personal development coaching company that has two main programs. One was created to help Muslim women heal their past love themselves and create a life that they're truly passionate about and the second program is the thriving coach it's a program that helps ambitious and entrepreneurial muslim women who want to become coaches start this journey of life coaching alhamdulillah and i've created that company starting with the personal development element because i was struggling with my mental health i was going through a divorce i had been going through depression for a very long time And it felt like there was no support out there that was catered to my Islamic beliefs and values. And I felt really lonely and I didn't know who to talk to. And I started digging into personal development, life coaching from a non-Muslim perspective. And then I managed to get Islamic knowledge and to um, bring these two elements together and create something for Muslim women that felt aligned with who they were subhanallah mashallah that is such a beautiful mission um i love that we get to see more and more people integrating islam into whatever they are creating because i always say you guys are going to think that i am like this 
robot that keeps saying the same thing. But honestly, it's because Islam is pretty simple. So we always go back to the same things. And it is truly a way of life, not just a religion that, you know, happens when you're going to pray or when you fast during Ramadan. It's like it just frames every aspect of your life. So when I hear sisters saying, I created this thing to help sisters, but incorporating both personal development through the lens of Islam and how we live our lives as Muslims, I think it's just beautiful and very much needed. So thank you for all the work that you've been doing so far. Um, let's get into it. And I thought that to go by this episode, we'll just go like the past, the present and the future. So I didn't want to get too personal because that isn't something that I feel like should be shared with everyone but I still want to know a few things about your past as someone who got through divorce so we've talked about the marriage crisis before on your podcast but we didn't get into what you thought about marriage before getting married like do you feel like you were idealizing it do you feel like maybe you got into it without being very convinced about it like I would love to know what you thought about mm. marriage before? SubhanAllah, it's a very interesting question. And I was reflecting on it recently because I realized I have made a lot of progress. When I was younger, before getting married, there was a lot of contradiction within me. There was one side of me that really wanted to get married because I grew up watching Disney movies and I was fed thinking that a Prince Charming was going to come and save me from my toxic environment. Yeah. So that was one side. And then there was another side that was battling with that, which was the side that witnessed my parents' marriage that was painful to watch and that was hurting to be a child of, uh, that witnessed men being toxic around me and that wanted nothing to do with them. So there was a real fight within me. And that created a lot of, of conflict, a lot of confusion about marriage. And I think the main idea was I, I want to be able to rely on myself and I want to be able to protect myself. I cannot trust men and I have to be everything for myself, subhanAllah. And so I was very much in my masculine, what we call the masculine energy. Yeah. And it, this led me to making decisions when choosing a spouse that were not the wisest. So I had a lot of limiting beliefs about marriage. And I know that a lot of my clients, when they come to me, they are in the same position, whether they've been married or not, by the way. When they've not been married, it's because they have witnessed a lot of difficult marriages and they have never seen a healthy one. They have never seen a fulfilled marriage. And so it's really difficult for them to believe it's possible to achieve. The only positive image that they have is coming from fiction. Yeah. It's coming from Hollywood. And so this is an unrealistic image of marriage that they have. So again, the whole conflict of like, there is a Prince Charming out there mixed with, I want nothing to do with men which lead women to have no idea what marriage truly is like. And this is reinforced when a woman does not have any attachment to her religion, when she doesn't have any knowledge, when she doesn't know the sunnah of getting married yeah. and how it should look like from an Islamic perspective. So this was my situation before getting married. A lot of confusion, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah. Um, you know, when you said that, it's so important to, like educate yourself on the view of marriage in islam this is something that i often say when i see people being like 
oh, you're almost 30 and you're still not married. This isn't normal. You should have been trying to complete half your deen and everything. I say, do you know that there's a fiqh of marriage and that it, it, it isn't just a box to tick? This is so important because when you look at the picture of Muslim people around the world and how culture has been influencing a lot of things in their lives, but mostly marriage, it's like, okay, we see a lot, as you said, of conflicting beliefs. And I feel like education is the indeed the first thing that you should look at if you want to get into it in a healthy way. And it's so interesting because personally, I very much related to the finding a Prince Charming and growing up watching American TV shows where you're like, it's always a happy ending and things just go super smoothly. And Subhanallah, I don't feel like I had conflicting conflicting beliefs because my parents, they had a very healthy and happy marriage. Obviously, there were some ups and downs like any couple. But Alhamdulillah, I was so grateful to grow up in this kind of environment. However, that made my expectations with men so high because the one that I would refer to was my dad, which for, who for me was like this true man who knows how to provide and to be a good father and going out there and not finding men like this was so frustrating and I didn't feel like lowering my expectations subhanallah of course and you shouldn't yeah so this is a beautiful thing if you had witnessed anything negative and at the opposite of what you just described you might have married someone similar to what your father would have been true which which was my situation to be honest and, and I hold no grudges no negative emotion towards my parents anymore because I've done the healing yeah but I carried my emotional baggage from my relationship with my parents to my relationship with my spouse I recreated the same environment for myself an wow. environment where I was dismissed and this is why Attachment theory is so important. If anyone has never heard of that, go and read about it. Like so interesting. It's absolutely life-changing. I yeah. I remember being a child, being six years old, and coming back on the idea of the Prince Charming, I would just daydream of someone coming through the window and saving me and taking me out of my household and taking me to a beautiful place. And I thought I was unique and I thought I was weird in being like that. And then I, I read a book called Ghosted and Breadcrumbed by uh, Marnie Feuerman and this book changed my life because she would describe behaviors like that and she would explain what would happen when you were growing up in a place where you would daydream a lot about a better situation because your parents would dismiss or neglect you emotionally and it all made sense once I read that book why I chose the partner that I chose and why even after telling myself, I never want to be like my parents. I never want to be like my mom. I don't want to get married young. I don't want to have children young. I want to pursue a career. I did exactly what my mom did. I married someone from a different country. I moved out. I had a child at 22. And I woke up at 22 and I thought, how did I get here? This is exactly my mom's life. And this is exactly what I didn't want to reproduce. But I went straight into a wall, subhanAllah. Because unconsciously, we will repeat our parents' mistakes if we don't heal ourselves. We carry the emotional baggage. Trauma is not something that is born with you. It's carried through generations. Yeah, that is so true. We mentioned this in the episode about uh, Palestine collective trauma. And the sisters that I had on the podcast, they were saying that it, it's... It, 
it can become like genetic like you like people don't even realize that and subhanallah you know it can be then activated but whatever you are going through and you know um i love that you said that we shouldn't hold grudges against our parents because i feel like you know us we have access to information and education and everyone nowadays is aware of the importance of taking of your mental health although there's still so much taboo around it it's you know it's becoming more democratized by the day but our parents going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist is something that they would never imagine and a lot of people they would just go yeah you just have to strengthen your faith and it, it will it will get better but your mental health is going to directly impact your iman. So that's why it's so important to be aware of the thing, like of your feelings. And then, although it's very scary, face your trauma. And I love that you mentioned the it, the attachment theory because you know I, I will. We we're not psychologists, so we're not going to get into the details of attachment theory. But you should definitely look into it because it's so interesting and really eye opening. So when you knew that it was it was officially over that you were going to be a divorced woman. Like, what were the things that went through your mind at that very moment? And how did it make you feel about yourself? Considering that there's a lot of stigma about being a Muslim woman, especially... How old were you when you when you got divorced? I was... So that's the thing. There, there was a very long time between the moment I realized it was not going to work and the moment I actually made the decision. And this is what's going to happen for a lot of Muslim women. But the official separation happened when I was 24. Okay, and how old are you now? I'm 30, alhamdulillah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So I'll let you tell us about this, how you felt and how you dealt with the stigma that comes with it. So the biggest pain that comes from divorce or at least for me was the pain that came with being lonely and feeling extremely lonely with this that's the first thing I felt lonely because as you mentioned there's a huge stigma around getting divorced as a Muslim woman as a Moroccan woman uh, and especially as someone who considered herself to be the good girl I was the good girl in everything that I did. I was good at school. I was good to my parents. I had always followed the rules, or at least in front of my parents, I had always followed the rules. So, of course, I had um, my own weaknesses and I had my own my own secret life, like a lot of immigrants in France, unfortunately. But in appearance, I had it all together. And my divorce for me felt like the biggest failure in my life. And I had a lot of um, struggle coming to terms with not being the good girl anymore. And that's why it took me ages to talk to my parents about it. I, I made a decision and it took me months to tell them, okay, I'm separated. Um, it took me months to tell myself, I don't want this marriage anymore. Because it was my choice. My parents had never been the type to push me to get married young. Like a lot of North African parents, they would push me to prioritize my studies over marriage. So this idea of getting married young was mine. And so it, this is even harder for a lot of women when you fight for a spouse or you fight to get married at a certain age or to go to a different country. And then you realize, okay, this is not for me. And they were right. The last thing that you want to hear is, I told you so. So there's that extra layer of pride and ego that 
stops you from seeking help from your family because if you don't have a supportive family and if you have a family that acts on their ego rather than compassion and love and who's going to rub in your face, I told you so, then it's even harder to come out as someone who wants to get a divorce. So I felt extremely lonely. I felt th there's uh, six or five phases to divorce that are very similar to grief. There's denial. After denial comes pain. After the pain comes the anger and the attempt to bargain. So it's like when you're saying, it's not happening. I'm, I'm going to make it work somehow. I'll change or I will change him. We're going to make it work. And that lasted for a very long time for me, which which made the, the process actually three years, like three years of trying to get back together, making it work and then saying, no, it's not working, which was the whole marriage, basically. And then after bargaining, there's depression. And after the depression, alhamdulillah, there is acceptance. This is the moment where you just come to term with the situation. You make peace with yourself. You make peace with your ex-spouse and you just move on. SubhanAllah. This, I thought it was very touching because I, I, I love how you are able now, which I'm sure wasn't the case before, but how you are able now to put words into all those feelings. Um, we, we hear a lot of people saying that when you, you know, you, you separate yourself from someone or whether it is a, a very strong friendship, someone you thought you would marry, um, your actual husband, it, it's very, it, it is very much like grief. You also have to not only grieve the fact that you're not going to, this person isn't going to be part of your life anymore, but you also have to grieve all the hopes that you had about this person. Like you wanted him to change. You wanted him to become that person and build those things with, with him. And now this isn't going to happen anymore. And what really touched me is how you talked about your ego. And I feel this is very brave, a very brave thing to say, because most of the time, especially when we talk about things like divorce, it's very easy to blame the other person completely, you know? And I hear a lot of stories of women online who would just even expose their husbands. And, I, and I'm always telling myself, because I want to have the, to give the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying that some men are not completely responsible for their behavior but it's more so the outcome of it all and I'm thinking we don't know what happened in that in that couple you know and even if it just comes down to you having forced the thing like no I don't want to give up although you were saying that this is this wasn't working I think that in hindsight this is so brave like to admit that because I try to picture myself Uh, in that situation although it's very hard and um I'm pretty sure I would have been the same you know I, I would have like and I think this happened to me although again it, it was someone that I I wanted to marry and I kept saying I want to get married like let's do the things the right way and I was witnessing things and I would just like, no, but it's okay. It, it, it's just, it's gonna work out. Like it, we're gonna get married. And then you're like, this, this doesn't make any sense. And this has to be multiplied when you are actually married to that person. You've built a life together. You got a child together. There's so many things that are involved, subhanAllah. And yeah, I just wanted to tell you that I think this is very brave of you to share those thoughts and emotions. Thank you. No, thank you. And just on that like it's not possible to heal when you don't take responsibility yeah so for me it was not an option to stay in the victim mindset forever because I was in it 
especially in that depression phase and that angry phase that I was in that lasted a long time I was pointing fingers at my ex-husband all the time and I was not I was not looking at myself at all when in reality I am just as responsible as him for the downfall of this marriage we were two in it 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 takes two to dance it takes two to tango so the moment I started looking at my ego looking at my wounds looking at my emotional baggage is the moment I was able to heal. Subhanallah, subhanallah. How, how did this impact your faith and your relationship with Allah? So it's important to know that I was struggling with depression the, the moment I got married, if not before. Uh, so the divorce was just a drop uh, that made the vase overflow in terms of my connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I was already struggling with my spirituality and Unfortunately, at the beginning, it wasn't a struggle that brought me closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It did the opposite for me because I didn't have that strong foundation. This is why the main element that I teach my client now and, and the, the main lesson that I want them to get from my coaching program is nurture your connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is your lifesaver when you go through hardship and when you go through beautiful things as well. This is the main lesson that I got from my divorce, from my depression, from being a mom, from uh, having difficult relationship with my family members. Every struggle I went through taught me one thing. Allah is the most important thing in your life because he is eternal. He's always going to be there for you and nothing else can do that for you. No one is going to provide for you the way that Allah is going to provide for you. And so I went very far away from the deen. Um, I lost myself. And then I reached rock bottom and Alhamdulillah, Allah called me back in that moment. I, I needed to taste life without faith. I needed to feel dead inside in order to crave for the life that he gives us when we give him time and effort and energy. And again, the same way that there's no healing without taking responsibility, there's no healing without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is the healer at the end of the day. Every time I think about or I hear stories about you know, someone hitting rock bottom and then seeing the light of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and feeling like he's there to save them, it, it really, really touches me because it shows that you might feel alone, but you're not alone. You're never alone. And um, your story made me think of the one of a close family member who got divorced in a uh, It, it was terrible. The story is terrible and I feel like I will respect her privacy and not share it. But it, it was really, really hard. And uh, she, we didn't recognize her. Well, it, it was like she wasn't herself. She, it, she was like a zombie and it was so heartbreaking. And now she is doing better, alhamdulillah, you know, still healing from depression and, and this whole thing. But When she tells the, the story of, like, the thing is that she is still struggling with her mental health and taking care of it, but it's nothing like what she, where she used to be. And the main difference is just like you, she is so much closer to her faith. She wakes up for Tehajjud, she spends, like, she fasts every Monday and Thursday. She's like, she is on her Dean routine and she has it nailed, you know? And subhanAllah, I, I think when we think of her 10 years ago, we would have never expected her to be so close to, to Allah. But she says it, Allah saved me. And she tells the exact moment when that happened. She said, I was in my bed 
and I hadn't showered for maybe 15 days. Like I was disgusting. I hadn't seen anyone. I didn't get any groceries. Like I was just at home crying all day. And there was this moment where I was like, I am going to die. Like this is the moment that I'm going to die. And she said, I didn't want to to just die having not prayed, having not showered. I thought if I'm gonna die, I need to at least be presentable to Allah. And and she she got up, she went, she could barely walk. She went to the shower. She cried so hard. And then she was like, I'm um if I, I have to die now, I wanna die on my prayer rug. And that salah is the one that changed everything for her, subhanAllah. And every time I I think about these stories, it gives me chills. Because I think that this is the moment where she was like, this isn't the end of my life. This is the beginning of something. And subhanAllah, I, I didn't plan this. But this was actually my my next question. <laughs> like, this wasn't planned, I swear. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I just thought about sharing the story because it's, um, I think when you hear stories about sisters, whatever they're going through, when it comes to depression, it's honestly heartbreaking. And I always say that, and I've said it before in the episode, but mental health is so, so important. And if you don't take care of it, it's going to impact your faith because what you're going to feel towards Allah first is resentment. Why are you doing this to me? I don't deserve this. I've always been good to my parents, to people, to you. Why are you now doing this to me? I don't deserve it. But Allah tests the people that he loves the most. And when you start to realize that, and as you said, hit rock bottom, you realize that the only one who is always going to be here for you is him. Subhanallah. So let's get into that question. What was the thing that really, truly made you realize that this wasn't just the end of something, because let's be honest, it is the end of something. Like, it is the end of the chapter, but is also the beginning of something new. Mm. That's a beautiful question. So my awakening happened during COVID, alhamdulillah. And in that moment, I think the notion of death became really real to me. And when death becomes real and you start understanding, I'm not going to be here forever. There is an afterlife that I'm going to have to hold myself accountable in, there's that mix of fear and hope that came into my heart. And Allah put that in me, subhanAllah, like the same way that he put it into your family member's heart. And I realized, okay, I actually have a choice here. I can sit and hold on to my depression and keep on asking myself these questions like you mentioned, why? Why is this happening to me? I can do that and I can do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or I can actually focus on what I have control over, what Allah has given me power over, yeah. my free will, the things that I can change. I can change my behavior. I can change my knowledge. I can increase that. I can learn things. I can increase my skills. I can get out of my hole. I can meet good people. I can wound, I can heal my wounds and understand that. It's not because my past was painful that my present has to be painful and that my future needs to be painful as well. And that awakening happened very fast. There's this misconception that people hold on to that it takes time to heal. For me, it was a heartbeat. 
like subhanallah, like, I'm not even kidding. It's just like COVID was happening. I was not close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I hadn't been practicing for ages. I was separated from my daughter. I hadn't seen her in months. I was not in good terms with my family members. Everything was chaotic. I had not a dime in my bank account. The only reason I was surviving was because someone kind enough was sending me money for me to survive, subhanAllah. And so at that moment, I had a choice. And so I made the choice. I'm going to change my life and I'm going to stop complaining. I'm going to stop blaming everyone for my misery and I'm going to start acting and taking responsibility and I'm going to start healing and learn how to heal. Enough is enough. I can't blame my parents for the rest of my life because then my daughter is just going to be like me if I do that. And so this desire, my daughter and my mom were at the center, especially my daughter at the beginning because I was not close to her and because I thought I might die and not even see her again. And, and that, was, that was really hard to think about. And so I wanted to be the woman who could afford to take care of herself and to take care of her child and to go back close to her child. And in order to become that woman, I had to sort myself out. So this is how I changed. This is how I realized that it was the beginning of something new. It was the beginning of a new me. No matter how cliche <laughs> that sounds, it truly was. And so now when I think about my old self, I really detach from her from a place of love and compassion, but I have completely changed. I did a 360, which led me to, not a 360, a 180, sorry. Is it? Oh my God, this is when you realize I'm not good in math. <laughs> um, so I just completely changed, alhamdulillah, and, and I became my true self, the one that I, I could be the one that had potential and that was utilizing that potential. Alhamdulillah. You, you brought tears, tears to my eyes, honestly. This is such a touching story. And I, I didn't know this about you. And you know, when there's this thing, especially when you're someone that creates content or, you know, works somehow online um, and you get a lot of messages saying, yeah, you seem to have it together. You seem so happy. You seem this, that, that. And it's like, you never know what someone went through. And I don't know if it's a hadith or just a quote, or I'm not even sure. But you know this thing that says, um, those who have the biggest smiles have the biggest cars? That really hit right now, I feel like. It's just, um, it's beautiful. And subhanAllah, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't lie when he says that with hardships, comes ease it's like when you're going through the worst things in your life and you feel like this you are just in the complete darkness and there's no way out all he wants you to do is to have tawakkul and do what you can do you know and it's so important to have mercy on yourself because indeed you cannot control everything this is just not possible But there are certain things that you can do and it's okay to go step by step. You're not going to have it all figured out in just the blink of an eye and everything, your life is going to be sorted. But you need to be merciful and patient with yourself. And um, it's why I feel like also people truly need to be so much more respectful and caring towards others because you truly don't know what people are going through. And 
your journey, whether it is your emotional journey or your spiritual journey, can be so bumpy. Some people have it easy because, you know, their environment is great. Um, they have the resources as well, maybe, you know, they have like, you know, it's like the access to mental health, for example. A lot of people cannot afford to see a mental health specialist and things like this. Obviously, we have like specificities that needs to be taken into consideration. And when you think about this, it's like, you don't know so just assume that this person is going through things and that they're on their journey and they're gonna get there inshallah make dua for them and i truly hope that what you just shared with which is so personal and honestly really i was just trying to put myself together i was like i can't cry right now we're not even finished with the episode <laughs> but i truly think that sisters listening are going to cry because this is so touching and it also allows us to put things into perspective in a lot of different aspects of our lives subhanallah let's get into now we're in 2024 covid was already four years ago subhanallah the time is is crazy um would you say now you've healed emotionally from your divorce um is it something you feel like is still part of your identity where it could have been like maybe the case a few years ago and what did you do um to do so and what did this teach you about yourself yeah so a hundred percent i can tell and i can feel that i have healed from the divorce um and the reason why i'm so sure of that is because i can talk about it i can think about it without feeling any bitterness I feel at peace with the whole thing. I feel like, alhamdulillah, Allah had decreed that for me for a very beautiful reason and I accept it fully. So acceptance and and the ability to even feel grateful for what happened is what tells me that I have healed from that. And the reason why I'm, I'm being so specific is because a lot of women will ask, how do I know I am healed? If you're able to not reminisce on the past anymore and look back at it, and have a smile on your face, a sincere smile on your face, and not feel that tightness in your heart, alhamdulillah, you you have done the healing. Um, now, how did I get here? This is the, the program that I've created for other women, alhamdulillah. It's what I call the three C's magic. So the three C's stand for cleansing, clarifying, and creating. The cleansing phase is all about looking at the past and your emotional baggage, and your limiting beliefs and your lack of intentionality. So a lot of women who end up in situations where they are getting a divorce or they have conflictual relationship with their family members or they're just feeling unfulfilled, a lot of that stems from them not living an intentional life. They're on autopilot. They're not tapping into their fitra. They're just following a robotic lifestyle that doesn't fit their spirituality or their values. And so that first cleansing phase is like, I let go of that. I let go of the robotic lifestyle and I become very intentional about who I wanted to be and what type of life I wanted to be and the limiting beliefs that were stopping me from becoming that woman and having that life. Then in the clarifying phase, I looked at my childhood. So we mentioned attachment style theory. I looked at that and I also looked at my inner child because we all have a child within us that is still suffering from those past wounds that we're carrying with us. And so when I connected with my inner child, I realized a lot of the things that I was doing 
as an adult were provoked by my inner child's reactions. So when I'm feeling hurt because someone has said something and I'm taking it personally, it's not my adult wise self that's feeling hurt. It's my child, my inner child that's feeling hurt. When I'm distancing myself from my ex-spouse because I feel like he's being avoidant, that's my inner child reacting. And all of these things, when you look at them and you really try to understand them and you try to understand the source of them, it's life-changing. Because you're able to change your behavior and you're able to manage the emotions that come with these triggers. And so I did that. Alhamdulillah, it led me to become a lot more emotionally intelligent. And then in the creating phase, I really dive deep into my values and my life vision. Because at that point, my past was not holding me back anymore. And I was also able to set boundaries with people, which was something that I really used to struggle with because I was a people pleaser. So for me, saying yes to everything was a way of getting external validation and external love. And when I was able to learn how to give myself that and how to get it from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it wasn't hard to become the woman I wanted to become without feeling guilty or ashamed and without cutting ties with everyone either, because I did it in a way that was not misaligned with our Islamic values. It was just a way that had adab, that had etiquette in it. A lot of Muslim things, they're not allowed to say no to people, especially to their parents. But that's not the truth. You're just using a black and white mentality um, when really Allah wants you to have your own boundaries as well so that you can protect your spirituality and your religion. So I, I did all of these things. I got clear on who I wanted to be. And then I started applying that framework into my life. And now I'm teaching it to other women, alhamdulillah. Whether they've been through divorce or other things, it's a... It's a method that's working on literally every Muslim woman that's struggling and feeling stuck in their lives. Alhamdulillah, beautiful, beautiful mission here. Um, you know how you mentioned that a lot of people think it's black or white. I think this is a huge problem in our community, to be honest. Uh, a lot of people forget <laughs> that Islam is about balance, in case you didn't. <laughs> it's not like I'm just saying it everywhere, like in the in my Instagram handle and the title of this podcast and pretty much in every episode <laughs> but honestly like if you think about it and I love that you said it it's like at some point if you just keep prioritizing others then it means that you're not prioritizing Allah and you're not prioritizing yourself and at the end of the day when all of this is going to be over you're not going to be surrounded by these people. It's just going to be you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala questioning you about the things that you did in your life. And obviously, that doesn't mean, and I always say that, taking care of yourself, taking care of your soul, of your mental health, all those things, and cherishing the fact that before being a daughter, a mother, a, a wife, you are yourself. You are a simple woman serving and worshiping, and worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, If you take care of yourself and, and cherish that, that doesn't mean you're selfish. That, that just means that you are dedicating your time, your precious time, to your relationship with the one who matters the most. And um, we live in a society that, that puts a lot of pressure on Muslim women. I think, you know, If Allah decided that it was going to be women who were going to carry life, that just goes to show how much he values us and how strong we are. I think sometimes you just need to reflect on the simplest things. We are the ones that go through period every month, you know, and that's just 
periods are not easy at all, you know. And um, when you think about this and you realize that, like, how how Allah loves women, if he loves us that much, we need to show loves, love to ourselves as well. And a lot of people, because of culture and everything, just really tend to forget about that. So speaking of stigmas and stereotypes around Muslim women, um, why do you think the number of divorces in our community has risen excessively? Because I think this is something that we're all witnessing. You and I grew up in France and here it's proven. We have figures that show that divorce in the Muslim community is, I think, at a rate of 52%, something like this. What do you think that's the case? You kind of touched upon it at the beginning of the episode, but I'm curious to know if you see any other reasons. Um, and why do you think there's still so much shame about Muslim women specifically being divorced more than mm -hmm. divorced Muslim men? So in terms of reasons why the number is increasing, I think the main one is probably an economical one. So if you look at our mother's generations, most of them were not financially independent. Now things have changed. Women are working, they have studied, they have their own income. And so making that decision financially is less difficult. Um, so it's not that marriage were better before, by the way. There's really this misconception like, oh, we were less picky, we were less difficult, we were good at this. No, it's just you didn't have the means to get divorced. Like, I, I know that this was my mom's situation and it was most of her friends' situations. If they could have, they would have. So that's the first thing, the, the financial element. Uh, now, in terms of the stigma on women more than men, um, it's a cultural bias. It really is just a cultural bias because when we look at our religion, divorce was not made difficult at the time of the Prophet SubhanAllah, we've just picked up on that from a cultural place. Maybe because we've associated the woman's purity to her being with only one man um, and her value to her being with only one man. And that's purely, purely and solely cultural and not religious. So it's time that we let go of those stigmas. And the way that we're going to do that is, is by us women rewriting the story as divorced women and not even labeling ourselves like this. <laughs> SubhanAllah, like... If you look at the stories of the Sahabas, like this was not a thing. There was no shame on divorced women at all. They would fight to marry them. The Prophet ﷺ married one. So, so where does that come from? It, it's solely us. It's, um, it's human stories that we create to limit ourselves and to control women as well, I think. Um, and it's the fear of judgment from other families that comes into play. And, and all of that is, is not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the most compassionate and he's the most loving and one way that muslim women can comfort themselves is really by holding on to the sunnah and, and the quran and allah's way rather than people's way of doing things and people's way of thinking yeah that is that is very true and you know i think also another thing that might explain this stigma is like a more general society thing around women and the um, and the judgment that they fear. Like, women are never good enough, whatever they their choices are. If you decide to cover yourself, then you're submissive. If you decide to wear, like, show skin, then you are... <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the right word to say it. Um, 
I don't have the word in English, but you got the idea. Like, there's always just something to criticize. A man that is, has ambition, we are going to have, like, who knows what he wants, we're going to have admiration for it, for him. But a woman who knows what she wants and has ambition, she's going to be defined as assertive and, like, bossy. And it's really interesting to me. And this isn't just men criticizing women. It's, there's also also a lot of women lacking sisterhood and and forgetting that this word is already very hard for us women we don't need to go against each other and alhamdulillah we are seeing more and more sisters coming together and seeing that there's enough space for everyone to shine there shouldn't be unhealthy competition and um you know even as you said culturally speaking you're moroccan i'm algerian that's pretty much the same dynamic um a woman who is going to get divorced um, is going to cause a lot of backbiting. A lot of people are going to, you know, share their thoughts about it and 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 feel entitled to judge whatever she's going through and sometimes even maybe blame her. Oh, yeah, maybe she wasn't good enough of a wife or things like this. And it's really interesting how the narrative has been going on and on over years and I, I love the solution that you suggested, and I think it was also mentioned in another episode how important it is for us to stand out for ourselves in a way that res respect the etiquette of, of being a woman in Islam. Because how many times you and I got the, oh, you are pro-feminism, and you are so westernized, and it's like... Again, lacking balance, lacking seeing that you can be right in the middle and that it's not because you're a Muslim woman that you need to be hidden for the rest of your life and that your sole goal and the sole purpose of your existence is to be a wife, a mother, staying at home and existing for others rather than herself. And um, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. Not at all. If that is your choice and that you're happy and you're fulfilled by making that decision, then good for you. You're just to the eyes of Allah. If you're obeying him, if you are doing everything to please him, then you're just as good of a Muslimah as another one who might have decided to launch her business and is working really hard. If you're not compromising on the duty that you have as a Muslimah, then you don't have anything to worry about. But subhanAllah, culture is um, and society have become... You would think that in 2024, we, with the access to internet that we have, this wouldn't happen anymore. But, um, but it does. And um, hopefully the more conversations like this one we have as, as sisters, the more we understand our feelings and are not afraid to share it as lessons and experiences for others to learn from and grow from, then inshallah, this is going to really, really improve with time, inshallah. I just wanted to add on this because I think it's important to pinpoint that when I'm talking about divorces, I only think about situations where divorce was the only option. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who are not divorced and who are against divorce will completely dismiss those and they'll only think, oh, these youngsters, they get divorced for nothing. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. And I, I need to emphasize on the fact that I, I do not promote divorce. I fully believe that. Good disclaimer. Anything, <laughs> big disclaimer, huge disclaimer. 
Um, I, I truly believe that anything can be fixed if the two spouses are willing to fix it. Um, unfortunately, there's a, like, there's a lack of knowledge about psychology, about emotional intelligence within marriages. There's a lack of support before young couples or even older couples get married. And so we're not taught how to communicate with each other. We're not taught how to resolve conflict between spouses. We need a lot more of that. Now, there's a, a statistic that upset me that you mentioned. It's not just in France. It's like there's this statistic. There's this study that shows that women are the one who always initiate divorce or in majority, more than 50% of divorces mm. are initiated by women. And people who are against divorce and who are against women empowerment will say, see, women are the problem. Yeah. Like, can yeah. you not see? The, the real question is why are women initiating divorce when it's so hard for them to make that step, to take that step and to be judged after that and to be left alone and probably financially deprived and take the risk of losing their children and all of that why do they take that risk the problem is not women the problem is men and women yeah. we need to look at it like that we need to point point fingers at ourselves collectively so that we can sort our affairs together that means becoming more emotionally intelligent working on creating services that can help muslim couples like marriage counseling Uh, conflict resolutions, mediation, all of these things that the Christian and the Jewish community have, have created a long time ago, but we're so late because we're too proud to say, I need help. Yeah. And so that's just a disclaimer that I wanted to put out there. I, we don't promote divorce. We only promote it when it is the last resort and there's nothing else that can be done. And it is an option. If you tried everything and you communicated and you you really just did everything in your power to make this work and it doesn't because the other part isn't willing to to discuss and to make things work and to make compromise i think this is important as well you know like marriage in my mind when i was younger i would assume that you were supposed to get the princess treatment growing up i realized that It is about compromise. It isn't about sacrifice. It is about compromise. And for compromise to happen, you need to be able to communicate. And alhamdulillah, contrarywise to other religion like, like Catholicism, for example, where you can't divorce, we get that possibility if it truly is your last resort. But that doesn't it's like the last thing that is encouraged. Before that, you need to put in the the work and i will say it you know when i asked the question about why do you think the uh divorce rate has exploded this way one of the things that i see is that a lot of people first of all idealize marriage they do it like they get married because they don't want to be in a haram relationship with which is good but you need to educate yourself on marriage in islam it's not just like going out and this is your boyfriend this is your husband <laughs> you know it's like you get into this and you should keep in mind that your goal is to spend the rest of your life with that person not just hey we're going to we're going to see where this goes and if that doesn't work anyway we have divorce that's okay we just like end our marriage this isn't the way you should get into an islamic marriage um and then so there's this lack of education at when you get into the um into marrying someone and then there's this um how easy it has become basically like because i know like 
that there are other men, there are other people out there. We are in a in a society that has made love an object of consumption, unfortunately. It's like I don't it's okay if it doesn't work out with him and if it is just he is just my first husband, it will be easy or my first wife. It applies to both, but since we're talking to Muslim women, obviously saying that. Um and then you you go out there and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna find another husband. It has become very normalized. So again, it's so important to get back right in the middle and tell yourself, okay, I know this exists. This is an option for me, but it is truly the last option that I should consider. If I'm getting married to someone, I need... And also, I think a lot of people are downplaying the all the emotional charge that comes with divorce. And that's why this impo- this episode is so important. You're You're going to think that this is just like a breakup. It's not a breakup. You you are going, although this label shouldn't exist, you're still going to be labeled as a divorced Muslim. And this isn't fair. I, I will I will say it because no one is labeling men as divorced men, but this is the reality of things. And maybe you're downplaying it now because you're into it, or maybe you just got married, but where you're gonna have to face it, you need to you don't know if you're gonna have the emotional stability and a strong iman to go through this because i think this episode shows that you it's just a lot divorce yeah. is a lot you know and this isn't something that we should take lightly so i'm so glad that you did that disclaimer and that we can clarify this point <laughs> yeah i i would just add on this because what you said is very important we live in a tinder society where when you're not satisfied you either swipe or you scroll and that is a fact so to the the question that you asked like what is one of the reason why divorces are increasing this probably plays a huge part as well uh, people will assume that the grass is greener outside yeah. and somewhere else but remember it's always going to be greener where you water it so it always goes back. So if you're not divorced yet and you still have that bright hope shining through somewhere about your relationship, fix it. The spouse that Allah has given you was given to you for a reason. Work on it. Try your best. Try 200%. If you're not married yet, just be very wise about the spouse that you choose. And if you are divorced, divorce was not the end of your life. It's just the end of a chapter. Bismillah to the new one. Exactly. When you get through divorce, it must be very difficult to imagine yourself getting married again. You know, it's like, uh, how am I going to share all the, the, the special things that I shared with a man, with another man? But we'll talk about that later. Before getting into this, I would love to know how is the state of relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now that you've experienced and healed from all of this? Like, how do you feel like it's changed from... The healing process where you held onto his rope and realized how present he was for you. And now that you've healed, you have a successful business, mashallah, I would love to know. Yeah, that, you know, that's very interesting because I can't say that every day is amazing and I love my life every single day. But what I can say for sure is that I have lost that pessimistic tendency that I used to have. I used to not have a lot of hope for the future. And now, whether I'm having a great day or a horrible one, and sometimes it's even horrible weeks, I'm not going to lie, I go through phases still. I have seasons in my life where I'm not feeling great about myself. I'm not happy. I'm not feeling 100% fulfilled. 
but still that hope in my heart that Allah is going to make things better is there. This is something that I didn't have before I went through all of this heartache and before I did the healing that I did. And so that makes me feel like this is it. Like, Alhamdulillah, I have ticked a box that was one of the main box in terms of the purpose of this life, which is contentment with Allah's decree. Like, I, I don't care if I'm not content with what I have and how I look and how I feel. It's not that big of a deal. As long as I surrender to Allah and I submit to him, which was the reason why I was created. And I was doing some journaling this morning, subhanAllah, and I wrote something down. I was created to worship Allah, not to cry over men. And this came up because sometimes you go through things and your heart is aching and you lose sight of your purpose. And you even lose sight of who you are. And I'm sure you'll relate to that because you've also experienced emotional things recently. This is a reminder that whatever happens, remember that Allah has created you to worship him and nothing else. And when you start losing yourself in your emotions, your emotions are valid, but they're not a representation of the truth. SubhanAllah. You know what? It made me think of a, a friend of mine who is a psychologist and she shared something that was very eye-opening. She said, emotions or the 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 how i'm going to say it the the weight of emotion is defined by no one but ourselves so sadness for example is seen as a negative is a negative emotion um whereas joy or excitement is seen as a positive emotion but the truth is there are under layers and as muslima the as muslimas the under layer is that Yes, you are feeling sad right now. And as you said, this is completely valid. You you are human. This is normal for you to feel emotions. But what if this sadness wasn't that negative after all? You know, what is the good side of this? Why am I feeling sad? What is the benefit of feeling sad? What can I take? What is the good that I can take from being sad? And when you start reflecting on this, it's like being sad makes me feel human. I'm a simple human who has weaknesses. Being sad just reminds me of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the fact that he is with me and he told me don't lose hope nor be sad. And it's like the moment you have those reflections and you start reflecting upon your emotions and how they're truly just part of yourself, but they're also lessons for you to take. It's like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. And I, I love that you know, we get to to say this because um, one of the things that I've always written a lot on the page is that your value as a woman will never be defined by how a man sees you. This is something that we grew up with, not just in our community, everywhere in the world, you know, like even non-Muslim people, non-Muslim women, they're like, if, and I see that with some of my closest friends now, how because a man doesn't care, take care of them or, you know, doesn't look at them or anything, they're just going to feel so bad about themselves. Your value isn't defined by whether a man looks at you or appreciates you. Your value as a Muslim is always going to be defined by how proud Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. Have you been worshipping me? Have you been thinking of me? Have you been sending salawat to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? All these things just makes you so much more content with what you have, even if it doesn't look like what you expect. And that is 
such a relief. And that's why I always say Islam is truly easy for us. Allah said it in the Quran. I didn't make religion difficult for you. And in those moments and this type of conversations, you truly realize that, subhanAllah. We're getting into the end of the episode. So one of the questions, but you already shared your framework, which I love, um, was how do we see divorce as a new opportunity for us for new beginnings rather than feeling like a failure? You shared your framework. I don't know if you want to add anything on this. No, I'm, ju I'm just thinking about Zainab. I think it was Zainab who divorced uh, Zaid. Um, I'm talking about the Sahabas and then married the Prophet وسلم, and that was an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I'm thinking about just looking at examples from the Sunnah and, and, and the Quran. And and I mean, imagine Zainab, like she divorces one of the best Sahabas, but then she marries the best man, the, the best man on earth. And the only thing oh, we can that do... That gave me chills. I know, like, <laughs> you see, so this just tells you something. It's not because you're a divorced woman that you are going to become a, the trash of the community and that you don't deserve to, one, find a good spouse or... Or find someone period that's not true first of all second of all as long as you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you don't lose hope in what he has planned for you and you keep on making dua amazing things can happen and she's the perfect example of that I love I love that story and you know the question that was linked linked to this one was how can women in general move past the lack of trust towards men after going through divorce or even just you know being disappointed with a marriage not going through um <laughs> it's funny i have i have this talk a lot with my my younger sister who she's she is going to be 25 this year mashallah and um you know we talk about marriage we talk about men and she's very pessimistic um i'm blaming it on her youth <laughs> but she she's like it's it's really hard for me to trust men um The society that we live in, because as you described, is very, very much a Tinder society, makes it hard. You know, she's like, there's so much fitna. Men are very easily tempted. Um, they don't value women as much or even more so Muslim women who want to please Allah before pleasing them. And so she tends to be sometimes pessimistic. And um, my experience, uh, which I'm not going to lie, was some, somehow a little bit traumatic. Um, taught me a lot, but it also, I'm very grateful that it didn't impact uh, the way I see men because it's very easy as women to just have like draw this negative painting of men and be like the infamous quote, men are trash, you know, <laughs> this, this is something that I don't believe in because at the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us in pairs and There are things that men are going to bring to us and there are things that we are going to bring to men. Are they harder to find? The ones that um, really, really, you know, care about pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and deeply respect women and didn't fall into like cultural and society stigmas and like in their vision of seeing women. Honestly, I used to say yes. But now I'm thinking maybe we don't really see them or don't want to see them because we we fear trusting them. You know, it's like, yeah, but what if they hurt me? What if what if uh, they cheat on me? You're you're never going to fully know because there are certain things, again, that you can't control. 
you know, and this is out of your control. But the moment you place your trust in Allah, there's no reason that this isn't going to to work out for you in some ways. Um, and as you say, I I think that looking at other women or the or other sisters' experience or the one in the ones in Islamic history, it makes you think that yes, I this this man, the one that I met and thought I would marry or that the one that I got divorced from was a lesson. He showed me the things that I needed to work about on about myself. But the next one, inshallah, is going to be the one that I'm going to spend my, the rest of my life with. And if not, he's just going to be another lesson. And it's okay. It's okay to de-dramatize this and not put everyone in the same basket. Because I truly believe that there are also some men who are thinking the same way. They're thinking it's hard to find a woman who isn't super demanding, who isn't asking for a lot of money. How do you say la dot on in English? I'm not sure. Uh, you just said mahar, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, um, they're asking for huge amounts, and it's just not possible. It's important, I think, in both parties to make marriage and conversations easier for all of us. So it's just like, again, makes it. Just a little bit, I don't want to say lighter because marriage is still an important matter that needs to we need to take seriously, but it shouldn't be as difficult as it has become. And especially, again, I don't, I feel like it's normal that we are all becoming more, um, more stressed about giving your trust and showing like being vulnerable with someone because it takes. It takes a lot, you know, to open up, especially if you, you're a Muslim woman, you preserve yourself, you meet someone, you open up for the first time, and then you have to do this all over again. It's hard. Obviously, it's hard. But as you said, I think sometimes it's just like getting this lesson, learning about yourself, learning about marriage, and then you can experience it to the fullest next time, inshallah. And also, I want to say that even if it doesn't happen again, it's not the end of the world because your value as a Muslim isn't defined by your marriage. So if you have the opportunity and want to get married again, then you just, you do what needs to be done. You make lots of dua and you really put all your trust in Allah. But if you don't want to, then give yourself some time. Just focus on your relationship with Allah. I have two more questions and then I'll leave you. So first one is... What are the practical steps that we can take? We can take to take care of ourselves if we go through marriage. Through not when we go through marriage after going through divorce. <laughs> like, have how have you been taking care of yourself? Not necessarily just spiritually, but just generally mm. speaking. I think a big part of healing from a divorce is going to be about surrounding yourself with supportive people, and this will help with the loneliness element. It will help with the spiritual element as well, because if you are just like me and your faith becomes weak in that difficulty, you want friends around you that remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that don't allow shaitan to take over you and to overcome you. That's very important. So good suhba, good companionship is going to be needed. If you don't know where to go to find these people, if you don't have them around you, use the internet, connect with sisters. Alhamdulillah, like my programs are group programs because I truly believe that the sisterhood really brings in a different element to the healing that is needed in our community because a lot of us have limiting beliefs about support. And so when you 
experience receiving support, it's another layer of healing, especially when it comes from women, if you have grown up in an environment that had a lot of toxicity within women. So that's the first thing, support. The second thing is being compassionate towards yourself. We mentioned that a lot. Um, Understanding that you're going through what is described as the most traumatic event in an adult life after grieving someone's death. So it's not something small. You're grieving the death of who you thought you were going to be as a spouse. You're grieving the death of who you thought your spouse was going to be for you. There's a lot of grief in there. So be compassionate and patient with yourself. And then I would say prioritize your physical, your mental, and your spiritual health. Physical, keep on moving your body, no matter what that looks like. Even if it's just five minutes per day of jumping jacks, whatever it is for you, even like stretching, move your body and take care of it as much as you can spiritual seek knowledge seek knowledge about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his mercy his love for you anything that you need more in that moment of despair like it's not the right time to look into punishment (laughs) and and allah's wrath it's the good time to look into allah's names that are related to compassion and love and generosity and hope and look into the prophet's character as well and he's immense generosity with people and his love with his companions and all of these things and in terms of your mind read if you enjoy reading listen to podcasts about this topic so that you don't feel lonely anymore Um, read about the future and how to cultivate cultivate a new identity for yourself look towards the future because in that moment of difficulty what keeps us stuck is looking at the past a lot and reminiscing on the past And so you need to come to acceptance with it by doing the healing. And I would highly suggest seeking help, not necessarily from someone like me, not necessarily in my program. There are a lot of Muslim um, practitioners, whether they're therapists, psychologists or coaches out there now, alhamdulillah, that do similar work. But don't wait too long to seek that help um, because it will make a massive difference. I I wish I wasted a lot of time. I, I wasted years in depression because I didn't value seeking professional support. And now I see the difference it makes in my life. And I'm like, wow, how many years? But it's the qadr of Allah, right? I'm able yeah. to be here and tell you about this and that mistake that I made because I made it. Yeah. But don't be like me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's um, that's the beauty of, of sharing experiences you you learn about them you can keep learning about them even when you share them uh and you and you know you reflect upon them it's like it happened years ago but talking about it again it still makes me discover things about myself or you know just how yeah you you learn new things subhanallah um and and i i know that this is going to be valuable to so many women even women that didn't get a chance to get married yet i learned a lot and I'm, I've never been married, so I'm sure this is going to be so valuable for many sisters, inshallah. Um, to finish up this episode, um, do you have any specific resource in mind? Or I wanted to ask you, is there a specific hadith or ayah that you like to go back to that has helped you maybe a lot throughout your healing process? process sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, so on the spiritual side, the the ayah that says, we found you lost and we guided you is a beautiful one to reflect on. 
Uh, the one that you yeah. you mentioned earlier by saying after hardship comes ease fa inna ma'al usri yusra inna ma'al usri yusra beautiful one to reflect on as well the quran in general is it's a gem for healing the quran is yeah. healing so nurturing that connection for it um nurturing that connection with it throughout the divorce is a great idea um in terms of stories i think I'm a sucker for romantic stories and I don't look at Hollywood anymore. I look at the Sahabas and uh, there's a, a series by Yakin about the Sahabas, which is called The First. I love the series. And yeah. right, Beautiful. my favorite episodes. So my favorite Sahaba is Abu Bakr. Uh, may Allah be pleased with him. But my favorite episodes in that specific series were the ones about Fatima and Ali. And I think what you mentioned is very important about limiting beliefs about men after experiencing hardship. If you want to have your hope restored, watch those two episodes about Ali's love yeah. for Fatima. May Allah be pleased with them. And the way that he used to write yeah. poetry for her and the way that they used to love each other. And, and the, the mention, the notion of compromise in marriage is Ali and Fatima. Like they are the definition of compromise, but they loved each other for the sake of Allah so much that the compromise was not painful for them. And they understood that this dunya was just, it was just rubbish. And so for them, what mattered the most was Allah's pleasure. And and they they embodied that in the way that they were married to each other. So that's another place to go. And then when it comes to beliefs, um, it's very important to let go of limiting beliefs, whether they're about men or about anything. So I'm just going to give you four questions that are from Byron Ketty, who's a psychologist. And I, I have my own version of that where I go in a lot more depth, but I do that with my clients. But the four questions, when you have a belief that you feel like is, is stopping you from achieving something or getting something positive in your life, you ask yourself, number one, is it true? And the natural reaction is to say, yes, I believe that men are trash. Yes, because I've been through so much that has proven to me, proven to me that men are trash. So you have to ask yourself, can you absolutely know if this is true? And your reason here will take over and you'll think, I don't know every single man on the planet. I'm just generalizing as a coping and protective uh, mechanism. So no, it's not absolutely true. How does it make me feel and how do I react when I believe this thought and, and this, not great, right? It makes me feel defensive. It makes me aggressive. It makes me cut out any chances of finding a new spouse. It even creates tension between me and my father and my brothers. So not great. And the last question is, what would I be and who would I be if I didn't have this belief, if I stopped thinking this way? And then you start thinking, if I didn't think men were trash, wow, I would remove this weight off my chest. I would probably feel less defensive. I will be more feminine. I will open my heart to the possibility of getting married again. I would consider having children. And then suddenly an opening of opportunities that you haven't thought about, you haven't allowed yourself to think about just because of a limiting belief. I go deeper into my coaching programs because it's not enough to just do that reflection, but it's a good place to start. For this wonderful pieces of advice to end this episode, I couldn't have dreamt of a better person to do this with. Honestly, it's, um, I, I love how this episode was the perfect balance between 
emotional stories and you know truly touching ones that make you realize how intense life is as a human sometimes and just very um very much like smart and interesting point of views that truly invite you to reflect and challenge yourself i think this is just like accepting to be human and also do the work that is asked upon us as as muslimas so i cannot thank you enough sumaya for having joined me for this episode um i mean we're not we're used to it now it's not like this is our first time first time just invading the internet with our talks well alhamdulillah for that it's always a pleasure thank you so much for the invitation yeah thank you so much honestly it's uh it's been lovely to dive into those topics with you um if you want to find sumaya i will leave all her links in the the episode description um Thank you so much for everyone who's listened. We're getting into the end of the season, subhanAllah, but I am so happy and I have to thank you all again so much for your kind words about everything that is has been put out there already. Alhamdulillah, I'm so glad to see that the episodes has have been helping you in some ways and through whatever you going on whatever is going on in your life. So yeah, thank you so much for having listened to this episode. Thank you so much, Sumaya, for having joined me for this conversation. And I'll see you in the next one, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Ma'asalama. Sata'udu jameelatan tilka Namlawa